It's time for the Talent Talk Radio Show, brought to you by People G2, a nationwide leader in background checks and employment screening solutions. People G2 gives their clients access to the best human capital management and due diligence tools available. They are dedicated to helping their clients with all of their people-related decisions. To learn more, go to www.peopleg2.com. Talent Talk centers on the topics of talent recruitment and management, leadership development, company culture, and employee engagement. These are all timely topics for CEOs, entrepreneurs, HR professionals, and business leaders. We hope that as you tune in to listen each week, whether to the live broadcast or to the podcast on iTunes or iHeartRadio, that you hear something you can take away that will help you grow and impact your career in a positive way. And now, here's the host of the Talent Talk Radio Show, the founder and CEO of People G2, Chris Dyer. Hey, welcome to Talent Talk. It is Tuesday. We are live and it is one o'clock. So we are talking about talent. And uh, really, I can't, uh, can't thank you enough for tuning in here and being a part of the show. You know, it really, really is a part, which is one of the funnest things that we get to do each week is to talk to really talented and unique people who can teach us something about what they're doing in their lives to make things better, what they're doing to help their companies, and maybe manage their own talent. So that's what this show is really about, is having that conversation, uh, having that opportunity to learn and to grow and to dive into, you know, what makes somebody tick, maybe find out what books they're reading, what they're thinking about, and having that conversation around it. We've had so many wonderful stories over the years. I put a lot of those in my first book, The Power of Company Culture, uh, which you can pick up wherever you find your book. And my newest book coming out this year here in 2021, Remote Work. And there'll be even more stories that have come from the radio show about specifically about remote work. And of course, you know, leading through a pandemic and all the things that we've gone through here uh, over the past year. Talent Talk is live, as I mentioned, every Tuesday, 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Uh, but you, most of you get us on the podcast. We appreciate you subscribing, uh, making sure that wherever you find it, if it's on iTunes, if it's Spotify, iHeartRadio, uh, maybe you go to talenttalkradio.com and you subscribe there. Just make sure you have that little alert so that you know when a new show is available uh, and we can make sure uh, it, gets, it lands to you so you can hear us and watch us if you like. If you have any questions for today's guest, don't forget we do live tweet the show. And we do this uh, on the handle at PeopleG2. You can also follow the hashtag, all one word, Talent Talk. My social media coordinator, Angela, uh, will be there feeding those information, any links, any books, anything that we mentioned that maybe you might need to write down. We go ahead and we, we plop it on there on Twitter for you. But if you have a question for me, you have a question for my guests, that's also a great place to go there and ask that question. And we'll make sure we try to get it onto the show. All right. Speaking of guests, today uh, we have two fantastic guests. The first one will be Vince Thompson. He's the founder and CEO of Melt. He's a, uh, they're a successful uh, sports media agency. And uh, then we'll bring in my second guest, Tom, or Thomas Capone. He's the chair and CEO of the New York Digital Learning Association. Uh, and uh, he's, got a, he's been a busy, busy man with all, everything going on with COVID. But we'll bring him in the second half of the show but let's go ahead and get to Vince. Vince, welcome. Thank you for being here today. Hey, Chris. Greetings from Atlanta. Well, uh, thank you. I know Georgia, Georgia's been, uh, been in the news quite a bit. Uh, of course, DC took over for you that last week. But uh, how are you holding up? How are things going over there? Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm glad the circus is packed up and left town. Uh, but 
uh, overall pretty good. You know, it's, uh, it's, you know, uh, 2020 was, um, was a fascinating year and it appears to be that it, that has extended into 2021, but, um, you know, uh, you know, a lot of great lessons coming out of this, uh, which we'll talk about today. Yeah, well, that's great. So maybe you could tell everyone a little bit about you. What is it you do? What does your company do? You know, what's important for us to know is sort of that baseline to begin our conversation today. Well, I've been a, I've been a very blessed person uh, during my career. Grew up in a very rural lower Alabama near the, uh, the uh, Gulf of Mexico and uh, town of 800, one red light, went to Auburn to be a sports writer. Had a fortunate encounter with the head of sports publicity and uh, worked my way four years through Auburn as a sports publicist and uh, led me on my uh, career path. So one of my passions is uh, to help students in future jobs. We'll talk about that. But uh, it led to me forming Melt, which is a, uh, an award-winning sports marketing and branding agency. And we've been fortunate to represent the Coca-Cola company for 20 years and managing tens of millions of sports sponsorships, Final Fours, Game Day, Olympics, and those types of things. Aflac, and have worked on, you know, we, you know, up until the pandemic hit, we're producing about 1,000 events per year. So really been able to truly, truly live, you know, my dream and work in an industry that uh, is uh, evergreen and ever rapidly changing and, and very dynamic. Well, there's probably a lot to what uh, you're doing to help your, your uh, the different customers that you have. I mean, we could probably very easily have someone from the sports world in here talking about business and talking about things that can be exciting. We try to keep it relatively diverse in the sense of looking at different industries all the time and not, mm-hmm. I guess, maybe going only where it's the most exciting. But I'm a little jealous because you get to spend all of your time where it's most exciting all the time, which is kind of awesome. And I guess if we maybe just pick one area that maybe you're thinking about, let's talk about social media. I mean, mm-hmm. what is that sort of in today's market in 2021, what should people be thinking about as they're using social media, especially in for job searching? Maybe their job has changed. Maybe they need to go to a new industry. Maybe they lost their job. They're looking for a new one, whatever that may be. What, where, what do you suggest, you know, from that angle, where should they start? Well, I actually have a positive somewhat of a positive take on some of the opportunities professionally coming out of COVID. Now, obviously it's, it's been, you know, so tragic. Um, if you don't lose anybody, you know, loved one in this, um, you know, been impacted economically. I mean, I've literally the week of March 16th lost tens of millions of dollars in revenue heading into producing our 18th final four, you know, tons of events in the spring. It's a very busy time of the year for that not one to crawl under my bed and feel sorry for myself. I said, Hey, we've got to do, we've got to do some positive things. So a couple of headlines, a litmus question is going to be, and I think coming from a lot of employers is what did you do for yourself or others during COVID? And so what I mean by that, did you feel sorry for yourself? Did you binge watch? Did you play video games? Did you get on your bed, whatever it was, or did you learn a new skill? Did you pursue a passion? Did you do something for personal, professional improvement? Did you do something to uh, enhance somebody else's life? And I think that's going to be a litmus question that future employers will ask. And we've all had an opportunity because we're all at home to have these opportunities like this conversation that you and I are having today uh, to 
improve ourselves and improve others. And, and one of those areas, I think, pushed a lot of people out of their comfort zone is the world of social media and technology. Particularly if you're a little older, uh, you might have been intimidated by it. You Maybe you have never had adopted a podcast habit. Maybe you had never had a Zoom meeting or, you know, maybe you'd never posted a video about something that you were good at or special at or inspirational at on social media. So I really do think it's been a rare, or maybe you just didn't have the time. I mean, I was running a big old company. I never had time to do some of the things that I wanted to do. And I wanted to build a content company around, you know, leveraging my experience at Auburn and and building my business into helping the next generation of marketers. So I wrote the book I always wanted to write, build brand new about your personal brand and how you present yourself and those types of things. But the important thing is, is that what did you do with this time that you had the ability to to really position yourself in social media, do the research, look at areas that you might've wanted to pursue that you never would have given your, your opportunity to do that. But the important thing is to, you know, the intimidation factor, you can remove that, learn how to do podcasts, learn how to post videos and, and those types of things. And so, uh, well, you, bring, think- you bring up a great point because I would have expected people, I, mean, I think we all went through a little bit of that feel sorry for yourself, not know what's going to happen, you know, the anxiety, the fear early in the, in the pandemic. If you overate, you overdrank, you over binge watched for a little bit of time, okay. But then what did you do, right? When that, that wore off, did you keep going? Because I do know people, you're right. I know people that still haven't come out of that funk and are still just, well, I don't know what to do and I'm just going to keep you know, living in that. And from an employer's perspective, yeah, we want that person who, I decided to learn a language, I wrote a book, I did a podcast, I started this thing, I learned this new skill, I, because I had all this extra time. You're right, that's a fantastic litmus test. That's a great question. And so maybe someone who's looking for a job should be thinking about, well, geez, is it a disadvantage that I haven't established my own presence? Should they be working on that now and beginning to get that ready for that question that may be coming? Well, absolutely. Because here's the thing is that, you know, we all have stories to tell and you don't necessarily have to be Lady Gaga or LeBron or somebody to, to tell that story. The opportunity has never been greater. The tools have never been more accessible and the ability to leverage those platforms and build that reach and build that audience. Uh, and I'll, I'll use myself as an example. There were, Several things I had always been wanting to do. One, I had always wanted to take my intern program. We typically would host about 40 kids every summer. I wanted to share that with the world. I wanted to take it virtual. So when this stuff hit the fan in March, these kids were calling me from all over the country. And I said, well, heck, let's, I'd never hosted a podcast. I didn't know what Zencaster was. I mean, you know, those types of things. And so I said, hey, let's do that. Then I, I saw a newsletter that uh, said, hey, if you ever wanted to write that book you wanted to write, do it now. So I clicked the link, found this great publisher, gave them all the speeches I give on campuses. They translated into this wonderful book. But the, the other strategies were business strategies in an, in an industry that had been completely demolished, the event live event business. I wanted to keep a forward and positive face, and I wanted to keep it consistently. And the other thing is that we had always been known as a great event marketing company, but, but we did a lot of other great things like content and TV and, and all that. I wanted to show people that I could become a media company and a content platform. So goodwill is good business. We've reached thousands of lives. In fact, thousands of lives kept a consistent positive forward face out there and have pivoted into being uh, an event company. So I, so many people remarked to me, they're like, Hey, 
you've, you've remained so steadfast and so positive during, you know, a devastating period for your industry. And, and that was sort of the impact that I wanted to make. So in a, in a small way, any of us could do that. Do you have a passion for making candles? Do you have a passion for uh, playing the guitar? Do you have a passion for growing uh, tomatoes on your balcony and delivering those tomatoes to, you know, shut-ins or, or senior living and then, and then, and then position that out there. And you never know where that one match may, may light a flame that could turn into, I mean, who knows, maybe Oprah picks up something. Well, you don't know. Right. Advocating for people to look at this as an opportunity, right? Which is really positive thinking. This is a pretty consistent pattern. We see with a lot of our guests that in any situation are looking at it through the lens of, well, is this an opportunity? Is this a place for me to do something different, to do something better, to sharpen our swords as opposed to putting our swords away and, and sitting and wallowing in whatever's happening? And this was like the probably the biggest event of, of my life. First time I can think of ever being able, being restricted on where you can go, right? Mm -hmm. And it reminds me in some ways of like how people must have felt during World War II. Right. Right. You're, you couldn't just go on a trip. You couldn't just go to Europe. You couldn't just go you know, anywhere. You were, you were stuck. It was a certain amount of pressure and a certain amount of fear and anxiety. And you know, are people going to die? I mean, I never had that until now. And you're right. But you still can find a way to come out of this in a positive way. You know, I mentioned, you mentioned with your book and, and really trying to help people with their branding. Maybe we could kind of maybe give us some sense of what are some of the things that people should be thinking about? Uh, in creating their own personal brand. If they haven't begun it, or maybe they haven't done enough, what are some things you suggest they do? Well, the first thing is, is that you, um, you have to look at yourself as a brand because you are a brand. And the equation I use is sort of your value system and your reputation equal your brand position. That's the equation that I use. I think the, uh, the next thing is, is that I always like to uh, tell people I'm talking to, two or three things. First of all, it's, it, we're in a fascinating time. Everybody I talked to is like, hey, man, this has been great to get off the hamster wheel for a day or two. I had not been off of it in 40 years since I set foot on the campus at all. Mm. Study people that you admire from a brand positioning. Is it LeBron James? Is it Lady Gaga? Is it whoever it is? And emulate whether it's a person or a company. Is it Tim Cook and Apple or, or, or whoever it is? The second thing is then begin um, – I, I, I say sort of a destination board. Think about like, hey, if it were a perfect world, I would become this in a professional and personal environment. Give, you don't set off on a trip without a map or a GPS. You need right. to know what your destination and what your path. Now, knowing that life's not linear, it's not going to be a straight line. And then, like I said, study those people and then begin. I think that the two key words that stick out to me are authenticity and passion. So, what is it that you're passionate about? Do you love to read? Do you love to write? Do you love to have a flower garden? Whatever it is, because you're going to be passionate about it. It's going to translate into the social media environments, that passion, and then be authentic about it. You're, you're reading these amazing stories where a gentleman on YouTube lives on a social security salary and he has recipes for people on a uh, social security budget. Other lady in her 60s loved to exercise. She shared that with, you know, other people within that age range. Same with a fellow playing the guitar. So you don't know where that, that where you're going to find that niche or find that audience. So destination, passion, authenticity. The second, the second key is, is that patience. To build an audience 
It's mm -hmm. not an overnight process unless you're, I see you shaking your head in, in, in approval because you've built this amazing audience, one person, one viewer, one listener at a time. Unless you're LeBron James or Lady Gaga or the right. Kardashians, we don't have that luxury. And so, even they had years and years and years of practicing their, their craft before they got big, right? Exactly. And then they leveraged their platform. So you got to be patient in, the, patient in the process. It's a marathon, not a sprint. And then, then the other thing is you're putting this out there. I use a fishing analogy. You don't typically make one cast or one swing of the golf club and get a hole in one or land a fish. You have to be consistent. Yeah. in the presentation of your content out there and you gotta you gotta it's like it's like in the old days of the television show you knew every week you were going to turn into your tune into your favorite show same thing you've got to be consistent and just recognize it is a commitment and it is a it is a it is a grind but if you're passionate and authentic about what you're doing and then it kind of becomes uh, uh second nature because i'm telling you the tools have never been um have ever been greater and uh, accessible. I say we were all born on the same day in the in birthday in, in the world of social media. And, you know, think about it. We actually all have more time and we're conditioned to it now because we're at all at home working on our computers, not in an office where you're in a meeting eight to 10, 12 hours a day and you're looking at your phone constantly yeah. during that. So and I think that all goes into part of the process, whether or not you want to start your own business have a side gig in the in the in the, the social media world, or use that as a selling and a telling tool when you're interviewing for your next job with an employer, because all those traditional rules of that are going to go out the window. Well, it's so important that people remember what you're saying about being productive, right? You want to be consistent. I would say be productive over being perfect. Um, it's you're not going to create the one perfect video or the one perfect book or the one perfect whatever. There's a few examples of maybe somebody hit struck gold the first time they put their pan in the water. Right. But I'm really curious what you think people, maybe some of the mistakes that people make are. A mistake I see them making is that they don't measure appropriately. They're not looking at what they've done and saying, geez, why did that video get me right. three times as many likes as the other ones, right? What was it about right. that video? Was it the topic? Was it the angle of the camera? Was it whatever that? I was really, got really fascinated with the whole TikTok craze during the pandemic. And I look at some of the people that got really popular really fast. I went back and looked at their early videos and you can see a distinct change. And all of a sudden they realized, right. if I do these three things, my videos take off. And you could see their, their first 10, 20, 30 videos were terrible. Right. And then all of a sudden they got it, right? And right. then they kind of took off. And so... Those people measure. Those people went back and reflected and had retrospectives, whether they're in their, just their own brain, made those little course corrections and figured out where to go. If, are there other mistakes or other things you think people need to think about? Well, I, and, and, I, and you make a great point, and, and I'll, I'll use a, a little older analogy. Have you ever seen the early episodes of Seinfeld? They were yeah. terrible. <laughs> and, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, like, something clicked and it, and it hit and obviously the rest is, is history. But I, I think two or three things, I think um, the fear factor or the intimidation factor, get over that. Uh, secondly, trial and error is okay. It's okay to, uh, to skin your knees because as you said, you know, unless you happen to hit a hole in one or land a big fish on your first golf shot or, or, or fishing, which does, you know, I mean, I guess somebody hits it every once in a while, rarely any unicorns, you know, get over the intimidation factor, get over the trial and error factor, find you a group 
of um, people within your circle or your mentors or your friends that will give you some uh, tough love or honest critique of what it is that you're putting out there. And so, uh, and, and find people that'll tell you that, you know, Hey, you know, you could have done a better job here explaining the audio could have been better. The lighting could have been better and those types of, but there is no definition of failure in this new world now, other than the failure failures only defined as the failure to try in my book. I go, you know, Gretzky says you miss a hundred percent of the shots that you don't take. Yeah. Yeah. I would think failure would just be giving up, right. To, to, to not keep going, right. If you, that's about the only way you can really fail is just to give up. And like you said, if you don't take that shot, you can't make it. And uh, you just got to keep going. And, and I, I think the other, someone once said to me, if you write, like, and he, we were writing a song together, and he said, you know, I always try to write a song that I want to play. It makes me, that song that I love, that makes me excited. And he said, that way, no one ever likes the song. Well, at least I enjoy it. At least I still had a good time playing it. And if I get lucky and it takes off and people do want me to show up all around the world to play the song, I'm not going to mind playing it 100, 150 times a year. It was this great moment. I was like, yeah, you know, you, you people, if they're going to do something passion, you can do something around that, you know, like what you're mentioning, make sure it's something you love doing. No matter what happens, if you only have 10 followers and you never make it big, well, at least you love doing it. Right. And if it well, takes I, that, that was takes kind it. of my theory on uh, evolving my, my intern program. I just love helping these kids. And I've always loved and helped it because I had guardian angels at Auburn that got me on my path and I made a commitment that I said, if I ever got in a position to help others and I'd always done that, you know, through the intern program and speaking on 20, 30 campuses a year. But once I had the opportunity to really scale this thing and the kids were reaching out, I knew there was a need out there. I knew they were distressed. I knew their uh, summer jobs or summer programs or summer trips or summer internships had been demolished. And the other, other point of the, the other point of view is I called a ton of my friends who I said, Hey, I want you on the podcast just to talk about your path, obstacles, and opportunities in the industry. But the other thing that I, that gave me a chance to connect with them. Otherwise we weren't doing any work for them at that moment, but then it gave the kids the opportunity to make an emotional connection with some of the guests on my program. So they could say, you know, Hey, Mr. Mrs. XYZ, I heard you on, on Vince's podcast. I'd like to connect with you on LinkedIn via future advice and, and work opportunities and those types of things. So, but I, Everything I did was driven by, you know, the heart and soul and my passion for doing it. There were positive business outcomes because I hear it all the time. People are like, man, what you're doing for the industry is amazing. What you're doing for kids what is amazing and those types of things. And that will eventually translate into business opportunities once we get beyond the pale on, you know, the virus and the vaccines and, and, uh, and, and, and those types of things. But again, right. I come back to say that if, if you don't lose anybody you love in this process, um, what a rare gift for it, for it, for us to all be able to get off the hamster wheel for a day or two. Well, Vince, I really appreciate you being on the show today. We're out of time, but how can people get a hold of you or how can they find out more about what you do, your books? Give us all the uh, places where people should go online to find you. Well, our website is uh, www.meltatl.com. M-E-L-T-A-T-L.com. That's where I send the kids to sign up for our weekly newsletter. It's full of career tips and those types of things. We just published the top 200 uh, 2021 internship opportunities in sports and marketing as well. Uh, my handles are at Vinny Inc. V I 
N-N-Y-I-N-C. That, I, that was a nickname I acquired in college. I was a hustler way back then. Uh, and I'm very active on LinkedIn. I have over 20,000 followers, and I do respond to everybody personally on there. And like I say, like, the tools are there. Like, you could spend weeks analyzing my 20,000 followers for job leads and, and professional yep. networking opportunities as well. Yep. And so, you know, that is my labor of love, and that's my passion. And, and uh, you know, been for, I've been very blessed in life. And, and, you know, if I can impact one life, then everything I did was worth it. Well, I'm sure you've impacted more than one life. So I, and I know you're going to keep doing that. And I really appreciate your passion and, and for coming on the show today, Vince. Hopefully we can stay connected and uh, uh, certainly want to check out, you know, your podcast and everything else you're doing as well. But uh, we'd love to have you come back and, yeah. and give us an update on all the awesome things you're doing. And thank you so much for being a part of the Talent Talk Radio Show today. And we, uh, we, we, we appreciate everything you're doing. Keep that positive energy out there, and uh, we'll continue to share it with our followers as well. Fantastic. All right, everyone, we'll be right back after this quick commercial break, and we'll bring in my next guest, Thomas Capone. Imagine buying a newspaper and discovering that the news you're reading is six months old. There isn't much that stays the same for six months, and the same thing goes for background checks. In a time when so much outdated information is being passed around, it's good to know that People G2 offers something different. At People G2, we provide today's intelligence, not yesterday's news. Our value-added approach offers you a fully FCRA-compliant solution that includes up-to-the-minute information. By combining industry-leading technology with old-school human investigation, People G2 is able to give you information that is accurate right now, delivered quickly to our online system or integrated with your HR system. So ask yourself, are you comfortable working with old news or are you ready for a different kind of background check company? Visit PeopleG2.com or call 800-630-2880. That's 800-630-2880 or PeopleG2.com. Welcome back to the Town Talk Radio Show. In case you missed my first guest, uh, Vince Thompson, you should check out his podcast, his book, but you can listen to his uh, interview if you make sure you go and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you find your podcast. Make sure you get a little alert and let you know when it's ready and up. And you can go back and listen to past episodes of hundreds of guests, hundreds of episodes. We really appreciate everyone's support. Uh, don't forget, you can also go to talenttalkradio.com as well, and you can uh, subscribe there and, and listen to past shows. Don't forget, we're also live tweeting this right now, so follow at PeopleG2 or the hashtag Talent Talk. Uh, we'll have all the best quotes, the one-liners, the books, the links, the the profiles, everything you might need will be listed there as we talk through this here today. But let's go ahead and uh, bring in my next guest, who's uh, Thomas Capone, I think otherwise known as Tom. He is the chair and CEO of the NYDLA.org, and that stands for the New York Digital Learning Association. I was uh, really privileged to be a part of his show and his podcast, and uh, I know his network is, is really great in helping people, especially during this pandemic. So let's go ahead and bring in Tom. Welcome to the show today. Hey, how you doing? Ready to be here. Doing fantastic. So why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself, the organization, what you've been doing. I know you've been a busy, busy man during uh, this pandemic. So maybe kind of fill everyone in on who you are and what you've been doing. Sure. Well, again, Tom Capone. I run the Distance Learning Association, as Chris said, but it's really morphed. It went from distance learning to digital learning 
it's really just digital living at this point, right? I mean, we're covering everything, remote work, telemedicine, the cloud, e-commerce, the future of work, the future of education, the, you know, everything that's happening right now, you know, COVID just forced, you know, like 10 years worth of activity into 10 months, right? So all the things that we've been talking about for years, the things that were coming uh, just came at us, you know, a lot faster. So uh, I've, I've got people that I haven't spoken to since high school going, well, you must know how to do remote work. And you, it's like, yeah, yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, but, but yeah, and that podcast that we did together, Chris, I mean, that was one of our most, uh, most viewed. So, you know, thumb, thumbs up on that. You know, that was, uh, that was really well received. Appreciated being a part of it. So what, maybe what are some of the things that the NYDLA, you know, was set up to do? Maybe kind of get, what was this, the beginning? And then you kind of mentioned a little bit of a morphing there, right? So yeah. what, what, what is it today? What, what can people expect if they come to the site, if they come to the, to the association for help? Uh, and do they have to be in New York or is this, have you guys now become this, you know, larger organization? Sure. Well, you know, last thing first, if you notice, this is actually our Times Square office that I never go to anymore, you know, <laughs> but uh, we're sporting double logos now. Uh, since the pandemic, we've really expanded to all of North America. So it was first just the New York megapolis, as they call it, you know, Maine to Virginia. Uh, so we went from servicing 55 million people to 579 million people. So we're really now servicing all of, uh, all of North America. But the association was always global. I mean, it dates back to 1980s, way before there was internet. I guess they were putting VHS tapes and envelopes and mailing them back in the day. I guess that was distance right. learning. So, um, but now with the cloud, with, with mobility, with wireless, uh, you know, the moves to, you know, 5G, et cetera. I mean, this is really, you know, the essence of what we do, remote work, distance education, telemedicine. Um, it's hard to name something that we don't do. Right. I mean, everything that's in the news right now, it has some connection to remote work or the cloud or, you know, just the technology based learning systems, you know, that are out there. So it's really become more of an ecosystem. I took over the association during the last recession when it was going bankrupt. And it was because nobody had money for donations. It was a 501c3 nonprofit. There was no money. And really the word went out, like, would anybody be willing to take this thing over? I was like, I'll do it. <laughs> you know, I'll take it. Um, I admit readily that way back then I was just saying, well, what else does NYDLA spell? You know, maybe, maybe I just want, maybe I just want the domain name, you know? Well, here we are today, fast forwarding to, you know, 2021, we've really become the epicenter of everything that's happening helping companies to become COVID compliant, helping people to figure out how to work from home or work remotely, um, helping entities of every size. You know, we have about 300 of the Fortune 1000 in our community. We have about 46% of the schools of business and the alumni of the schools of business. We have all eight Ivy League schools. So it's an interesting journey from bankruptcy in 2012 to where we are today but such is the world of, uh, of, of the cloud and, and the internet that, we, right. uh, that we're all involved in now. Sometimes we're just too far ahead, right? You can, you can be 
too many steps ahead of where everybody else is at. And then like you said, now COVID sort of kind of eliminated that gap. I mean, I noticed, yeah. you know, when we were first started being remote, we didn't tell anyone, right? No one was ready to hear that we were remote, that we didn't have an office that you could come to, even though they didn't want to come to the office, they wanted to know you had an office. And we had to play that whole game and pretend. And and then, you know, then it became more popular and more accepted. And then all of a sudden, you know, I can't imagine in you know, 2009, we're hiding it from people. And in 2020, people are coming to us saying, please teach us. You are the one you've been doing yeah. it now. You know, please help us you know, make it through this. You know, do you yeah. think that what we're doing now, do you think remote work is the future of work or is it hybrid? Is it going to evolve into something else? What are you, what are you sort of seeing from a futurist to put your futures hat on? What does that look like? Sure. to you? Sure. Well, remote work is here to stay. Um, even before the pandemic, uh, you know, entities like Zoom, they were already doing great. You know, uh, our, our friends over at Zoom, Eric Yuan, he, he was already a billionaire long before there was COVID, you know, I mean, right. But now it's a, it's a paradigm shift. Now people are realizing that, hey, you know, you can be productive from home. Uh, you know, you can, uh, you know, do almost everything. I mean, there's, there's some things you cannot do remotely, but they're becoming less and less and less. And, you know, I think once the CFOs of the world got a hold of it going, you know, uh, we, we're going to rethink this, you know, I mean, uh, look, you know, we're, we're pretty happy with the results here. So I think the shift is permanent now. And I also think what's happening with events, right? As we speak, CES is virtual this year, right? The National Retail Federation show is virtual. Um, we would normally have hundreds of thousands of people going to Las Vegas. Well, now we're probably going to have a million people from home, from home, right? So I think once that happens, you know, I used to love going to Javits Center. I still do, yes, technically, right? Um, I live about 33 miles west of Javits Center in New York City. And we used to have events all the time, sometimes with 50,000 people. Well, now they're going to be virtual. And if it does, if, when it does go back, it'll be a hybrid. Right. Like it'll, there'll always be a virtual aspect. There's always going to be, well, yeah, you could come live or you could attend virtual. And I think that's the same thing with school. And I think that's just going to be the same thing with just about everything that, you know, now we're, now that you have a choice, people don't like to be told what to do, but they love to have a choice. So we I give them going the to a lot of, a lot of events where you would have, you might meet five or six people that flew in from some other country, right yeah. on a, on a different continent just to come to this conference. And I'm like, this is the conference you chose. Okay. You know, like, but there was such a desire to learn or to network or to do yeah. these things. And I think, great, we can still go to these conferences, but for people who are want to learn and on a different, you know, totally different country, what a great opportunity now that if we have this technology and this ability and this desire to incorporate more people, right. So they can learn and be a part of this as well. And it really could end up being, allow events to be bigger, better, stronger, have better speakers. And, you know, maybe we cut down our, there's probably some global benefits to this as well, right? We don't need to have everybody flying on planes everywhere and all this just to go to some conference. You do this remotely. There's a lot of benefits. I think that there's going to be uh, even a bigger shift. Mm -hmm. If I put my futures hat on, I'm waiting for the moment that people, when kids actually go back to school and all the people that are home working right now with their spouse, with their kids, 
with an older child, with a grandparent, when people finally go back to normal, but they get remote, they're going to go, oh, this is even better than I thought. And we still haven't had that. When somebody's forced to do something, they'll rebel against it just out of the nature of, I don't want to be told what to do. Okay. A year ago this time, I might go into the city and I would plan my day. Okay. I'll have a 10 o'clock, a two o'clock, and then maybe a dinner. So I would go in and if something got canceled, I'd, I'd go, I wonder if I can do this with Zoom. I mean, like, I don't want to go to the city just for one thing. So I would start looking for excuses to say, you know, do you think we could do this remote? And because like, I don't want to come. I mean, I'm trying not to insult the person, right? But, right. you know, I don't want to go to the city just for you. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to make it a, a good use of my time. Well, I was doing that a year ago. Okay. Now I haven't been to the office really since the first lockdown. Right. Since since the first, you know, uh, impact of of COVID, I think it's going to be when you have the choice, everything's going to be fine. When you're forced to work from home or if you're forced to go to the office, you know, it's just so funny. A year or two ago, we would look for excuses or to work from home. It would be a benefit. Like I get to work. from. Now we're asking for permission to go to the office. We went from asking for permission to work from home. Now we have to, now we're asking permission to go back to the office. Weird, you know, weird times that, that, that we're living in right now. Yeah. And, and, and I think this maybe pushed us I mean, a lot of times difficult things, uh, difficult events in history have forced innovation and forced changes in behavior and new systems. And unfortunately it was COVID that got us to realize that most jobs can be done virtually. Most yeah. meetings can be done effectively in a different way. I know there's going to be a mix and all of that, but if you look at any sort of like future based movie, right? right? They just have, they don't, they're not going. I mean, if they're going to go meet with someone, then they could teleport. That was Star Trek. <laughs> Otherwise in any other futuristic thing, had them on a digital thing. You know what I mean? They could connect with, because you were connecting with other worlds and other planets. And it was the, the your, your sphere of influence got so much bigger. Of course you couldn't do everything in person. That just seemed normal. And now we're kind of close to that, you know? And we're going to see with VR and things that there's a lot of really cool things happening. Uh, maybe in the next year or two, I think we may see some pretty big shifts in our what we can do. And uh, yeah. that might be really interesting. Well, you know, sadly, I'm getting old now. I was born in 1960. Okay. The first thing I ever sold in my life was car phones. Car, there was no portable phones. There were no hands. I remember, I remember my grandfather had a car phone. It was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Thanks. Thanks, Chris. It was $14 uh, <laughs> a minute, but I remember. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I mean, and it was, it was expensive and it didn't work well. There was only nine cell sites in the entire country in the New York uh, you know, market. Yeah. And it was so devastating. If you talk to somebody on your car phone and they went, call me on your real phone. Oh, man, I just spent so much money on this thing, you know, but yeah. I would watch the progression. I mean, I'm old enough, sadly, to remember where if you saw a pager, you know, beeper, Right. Remember those things? I remember. If you saw that on somebody's hip, you'd go, Oh, look, look, it's a doctor. It's a doctor. It's a doctor, right? Because that's why you would carry it. And then all of a sudden, it was like everybody had them, you know? Yeah. But if you look at laptops, car phones, everything was like, How can I do this outside of the office? How, how do I liberate myself from having to be forced to be in the office, right? Mm-hmm. The office was where the filing cabinets were. Got to go there where the phone system was. You had to be, you know, right? The, right. the office is where we're going to have a meeting, conference room. 
So the minute all of a sudden it's like, you know, uh, we use things like box now, you know, and we don't have a phone system anymore. We're in the cloud and, you know, I don't have to be here. So I, I think the movement for remote, you know, it's been around for a long time. I mean, $4,000, $5,000 laptops back in the, let's say, 90s, and they weren't powerful at all, but it, it liberated you. It just, it just gave you that first glimpse of, you mean I don't have to be here? I could be out there, <laughs> you know? And I, so I, I saw a lot of these things happening really since, you know, the 80s and 90s. And now here we are. And now here we are. Yeah. And, you know, it's, I think some of that was built for maybe slightly different reasons or sure. for salespeople or whatever, but it ultimately ended up being a great tool, right? We, right. these things happen and we have to put the files in the cloud and that was to save paper. That was to save money. Oh, well right. now it's in the cloud and now that we don't know, now we're not locked into this office, right? Uh, to your point. So well, th th think of what was in the news or the topics of the day, you know, a year to two years ago, we were talking about AI you know, we were talking about AI was going to take all our jobs. So that was the topic, right? Or climate change, you know, climate change was going to change, you know, we're not going to fly in planes anymore because of climate change or we're not going to drive, you know, so those things still exist. I mean, those mm -hmm. topics are still out there. They've just been pushed down in the news cycle because COVID has taken over the headlines, but those, those issues are still around and they're not going to go away. They're just going to be, it's going to be a blend now. Of, uh, of, of topics as we, as we move forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we, we, we kind of maybe hit a pretty good overarching view of how work has changed. Do you think this is going to change education as well? And, and maybe even more dramatically? Well, you know, I usually go down my checklist, right? I say, you know, distance education is now just education, right? Telemedicine is, it's just medicine now, right? right? You know, commerce became e-commerce. Well, now it's just commerce again. I mean, we used to say I bought it online. We don't say online anymore. We just say I bought it. It could have been Amazon. It probably was Amazon, but you don't say online anymore, right? Remote work is now just work. So look what's happened with it, with entertainment now, right? I saw Hamilton in my living room. Movies are now coming out not in theaters, but like right in your living room immediately. Right. Wonder right? Woman on Christmas Day. Yep, here you go. Right? <laughs> so the whole world, I mean, I don't know if we're going to go back to theaters like we used to go back to theaters. And by the way, the main profit in a theater was the popcorn anyway, right? So yep. does the theater operator really care? I mean, I noticed AMC is now doing streaming mo movies where you can, oh, I don't have to go to the theater, but I'm actually paying AMC. Hmm. Interesting model change here, you know? Right. So the world of entertainment has definitely changed. Netflix, nobody needs, you know, we don't have to spend a lot of time talking about Netflix. It's just that, you know, we wanted the luxury of being, having the choice, the pandemic lockdown forced us to have no choice. So it's like, well, thank God for Netflix or right? thank for God for Amazon prime. What happens when we can go back to the movie? It'll be very interesting to see like, yeah, let's just stay home. Let's just stay home and watch it. Right. Okay. I don't, I don't need the uh, $5 bucket of popcorn. I can make popcorn in the kitchen for 50 cents, you know? So, but I do see movies, theater, the theater district, obviously in Manhattan got decimated, 
right? Live performances is, is sports not a really a version of entertainment. I mean, you watch football on TV and when they pan up to the stadium, it's like, Oh my God, that's right. Nobody's there. Oh, nobody's there. Right. NBA game. Oh, it was uh, weird, but eventually it got less weird. And if they can find a way to, to do it fine. I mean, look at our, our big screen TVs have been a, a race to replicate what happens to you in the theater. And, Maybe we're never going to have quite that same experience, but yeah. you know, the, the thing I hate, hated about going to the doctor, the thing I hated about going to movies, the thing I hated about going into an office are all being solved by this pandemic. I didn't mind go, talking to my doctor, but I sit in a waiting room with a bunch of other sick people right. possibly getting exposed. My doctor is always, we're always late and whatever. I sit on telemedicine and it dings me, tells me when the doctor's ready and I log on the thing and boom, I, I, you know, yes, of course there are things you have to be in person to see somebody, but you know, follow-ups and medication refit. I can just have yeah. a quick five minute appointment. That solved everything. Sticky seats, no one cleaning the theater, spilled popcorn, you know, that's right. solved to your point. I'm not, I don't have the temptation to eat all that crap that you eat when you go to the theater and you eat healthier at home and, and I, I think this is where remote work really shines is that the thing that people hated probably most about work was the other people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, again, not to harp on it, but I think when you have a choice and you feel the, the freedom of having choice, the stress level goes down when you're forced to do something, when you're forced to make the commute on the train or the bus, um, the stress is always there. So when yeah. you're, if you, if we're going to be having a choice moving forward, I think it's going to get a lot better, but just look at the seismic shifts with real estate and people moving out of the city or moving yeah. into this, you know, not just suburbs. I mean, they're going to the middle of the country now. It's like, I don't need to be within yeah. driving distance of the city. Right. You can save money because they're not paying on cost of living based on that city, you know, rents and, and things may come down in big cities and not be so inflated. And that could be a problem, but we'll see what happens that long term. Right. Um, but I'm really interested into the maybe more geopolitical changes, right? Will this change our country's map a little bit, right? Do enough people move into areas that it shifts from blue to red or red to blue? Or, you know, that, that's a really interesting thing that could happen. Well, we are now, you know, we have, we have a catchphrase where, you know, we hire for attitude, not longitude and latitude. Okay. And because we have people all around the world, because we were the distance learning association, we had so much connection to the colleges, universities, you know, we have kids, I probably shouldn't call them kids, but we have kids that they would go to an Ivy league school. And now because of like the pandemic, they went home. It's like, well, well where's home? Well, home could be anywhere. Home could be Nebraska. Home could be Nepal. I mean, home could be Chicago. Home could be Croatia. It, it could be anywhere. Okay. And if I didn't tell you where they were, you never know. You never yeah. know. Okay. So, so much has changed, but so much is still going to change because this is all uncharted territory for us. It's just that simple. You know, if it wasn't for COVID, I mean, if, I mean, we'd be like just throwing champagne parties right now because like we've never, we're going to double in size. Our association is going to double in size, but we're giving back, we're paying it forward. We're, we're, we've done more free work, you know, this year than ever, because we really feel an obligation to try to help people 
to get through this, to get sustain, you know, be sustainable, mm-hmm. to launch a business. You know, we're we're looking for the for the positives. You know, I, I'm a, I'm a hopeless optimist, I guess. You know, <laughs> but uh, we're we're always looking for what what can we do to help? How can, how can we help? Well, Tom, I really appreciate you being on the show here today, and again for having me on on your podcast sure. and all of the great work that you you've been doing. I know you've probably impacted and helped so so many people weren't used to this kind of work. They weren't used to this kind of learning. They weren't used to this, you know, world that maybe the rest of us were found quite boring and normal. And then for them, it was a huge shock. So resources like yours have been a huge uh, impact on people's lives to be able to keep their jobs and keep their sanity. So thank you for everything that you've done there. And uh, how can people find out more about you and your organization? The main website is nydla.org. So that's nydla.org. The NADLA, I'll get you there too, but let's just focus on on New York right now. And if you just go to tomcapone.com, that actually forwards to my LinkedIn. I'd love to connect with you on LinkedIn. And uh, yeah, when and where we can help, we will absolutely, it'll be our pleasure to help people to, uh, to not just survive, but to thrive in the cloud. Well, I look forward to catching up with you soon. Hopefully having you back on the show at some point and we can hear an update on all the, all the growth and all the cool things that you're doing. And it'd be interesting to compare notes uh, here maybe in a six months or a year or whatever it may be and see how, how, how things are going between the two of us. Fantastic. I thoroughly enjoyed this, Chris. Thank you for your time. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in today to the show. And hopefully you've gained something you can use in your own career in a positive way. Until next time, do what you love and show the world how talented you can be today. You've been listening to Talent Talk Radio, brought to you by People G2.